Brian Priest here, and you are listening to Home Court Press. The eight-game reseeding round is over. Up next, playoff basketball. The Jazz have spent the weekend preparing for a tough first-round matchup, facing the division rival Denver Nuggets in the playoffs for the first time since 2010. Last week, these two teams played arguably the best game in the bubble, a double overtime thriller in which the Nuggets came out on top. Today on Home Court Press, McCade Pearson and I take a deep dive into the matchups and identify some keys to Jazz success. But first, the Jazz were dealt a blow to their already shaky depth as a key member of the rotation leaves the bubble Sunday morning. All that and more coming up next on Home Court Press. Welcome back to Home Court Press. This is your host, Brian Priest, joined as always by McCade Pearson. Playoffs are up and running tomorrow morning. Um, good basketball, and basketball the teams are trying to win. Less than 24 hours until the playoffs start for the Utah Jazz, an 11.30 a.m. tip-off. I love morning basketball. I've been enjoying these things. 3-6 matchup, Jazz versus Nuggets. So today, McCade, what we wanted to do is just kind of dive into this Jazz-Nuggets matchup. The previous games that they played this year, offensive numbers, defensive numbers, look at some of the key matchups. Let's go ahead and get started, McCade. So the Jazz and Nuggets have played three times this year. The first two games, relatively early in the season, January 30th, the Nuggets win 106-100. All of these games, the the Jazz had big leads. And, and blew each and every one of them. So the Nuggets that, are 3-0 and against the Jazz this year. Yeah, that game was tough. So we you know, played one game here, one game there, and one game in Orlando. So January 30th, we're in Denver, tied in the standings, 0-0 head-to-head, obviously. Mike Conley rests on the second out of back-to-back. Um, Jazz played really well the first 30 minutes, and then they just collapsed from halfway through the third quarter to halfway through the fourth quarter. Clarkson went off in the fourth quarter, but it was too little too late. A lot of garbage time there for Clarkson on his way to 37 points. Jazz ended up losing by six, but they were down like 17 with like three or four minutes to go, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they were. Like, so it looks a lot better on paper than it was. Um, really frustrating loss. As I said, we were tied in the standings with them that day and zero zero head to head. Well, and if Move you want to just to the next week, and we played them again a week later, and yeah. that also did not go well. That was, if you want to talk a frustrating loss, it was that game in Salt Lake City. Nuggets had eight available players. They only played seven guys. So, like, they had to dress Paul Millsap, even though he was not going to play, just to meet NBA rules. And the Jazz had a 15-point lead in the second half in that game. Nuggets were able to come back. If there was a frustrating loss to point at this season that leads the Jazz in six instead of a, a top four seed. This is probably the one I point to that they blew. Yeah, fifth game in seven nights for the Nuggets. They were flying all over the place. They were exhausted, banged up with injuries, banged up with fatigue, and you just cannot let that one slip. Um, and frankly, if you win one of those games, or even both of them, it completely changes the dynamic of the bubble. The Jazz mm-hmm. are going for a top two seed at that point instead of here at six. But it is what it is. We played it in the bubble last Saturday. Um, a little over a week ago. Great game, frustrating game, a lot of good, a lot of bad. We talked about that in the whole podcast you can go listen to if you really want to hear about that game in great depth. Is what it is. Now we got seven games against them that matter a little bit more than those three. So that, that game you're talking about in the bubble, a double overtime thriller, if that game was any indication of what this series is going to be like, the NBA might be, I understand their reasoning for the early start times with this Jazz Nuggets series, but they might be making a big mistake if they're going to have seven games like that first one in the bubble. 
Yeah, no, it should be fun. Uh, as you said, the Jazz are the, the, it's the Raptors, Nets, Jazz, and Nuggets are the morning games of the weekdays and then the night game on Sunday night when, you know, on the weekend it kind of reverses. You want the afternoon game. So is what it is. Um, but, of course, as we get into games five, six, and seven, another series start wrapping up, and the Jazz will be prime time if they're the only game going. Let's just take a look at the numbers here for each of these teams. When I look at the Jazz defensively per 100 possessions, they've really been middle of the pack throughout the the first eight games and the restart. They're 11th in blocks per game, 11th in steals, 11th in defensive rebounding. They are 15th in points allowed off of turnovers. Uh, That's something they're definitely going to have to work on. They're near the bottom in terms of turnovers per game. And a surprising number here, McCade, is they're 22nd in points allowed in the paint. I think there's a caveat to all of these in that the Jazz starters missed a lot of time during this this bubble restart. Rudy Gobert was not on the floor nearly as much as he's going to be in this playoff series. So where do you think that might change? Um, Rudy Gobert playing more than he did these last state games will help our defense. I feel confident saying that, and that is from a guy who loves Tony Bradley. Um, Rudy Gobert, he allows 5% fewer shots at the rim when he's on the court and 2.7% lower shooting, lower accuracy. So just overall about a 10% decrease um, in rim efficiency when he's on the court, which is great. That's a good thing. We want lower numbers for the opponent. Rudy Gobert needs to be Rudy Gobert this series. Let's knock that out of the way right off the bat. We need our superstars to show up. And Gobert leading a not even great defense, but just a really good defense will be the first thing the Jazz have to do if they want a chance to win this series. I think the the Jazz being middle of the pack in a lot of these defensive numbers is reflective of who they are defensively as a team. It's not really a surprise to me, but I do think they're going to be better as they shorten the rotation in this playoff series. Royce O'Neal is going to get some more time. Rudy bumps his minutes up to 38 to 40 minutes a game, and it's going to make a big difference. You, know, you talked about allowing fewer shots at the rim and making a, an even lower percentage of those shots when Rudy's in the game. But on the other side of the coin, this Nuggets team has been a bad defensive team, not even middle of the pack at all. So interesting numbers I found here, McCade. The Nuggets are 22nd in the bubble with a defensive rating of 122.4, which is not good. It's Frankly, it's abysmal. The Jazz were 14th in the bubble, so again, middle of the pack with a defensive rating of 113.1. So when we, we look at those numbers, the Nuggets are farther from the Jazz than the Jazz are at 14th from the number two Rockets in terms of defensive rating. So it's just been a really bad Nuggets defense. Michael Porter Jr. is not a great defender, and he just doesn't read uh, defensive schemes very well. Nikola Jokic is not a great defensive player. The Jazz need to be able to take advantage of this. Oh, yeah. The Nuggets have been terrible. Um, The Blazers, Mavericks, and Nuggets have got to figure it out. Otherwise, they're going to be out real fast. That being said, the last couple years, the narrative surrounding the Jazz in the playoffs is that their defense doesn't stand up, and they've been really good against the Rockets. It's a myth that they haven't been. What has let them down is their offense. So hopefully yep. playing a bad defensive team gives that offense the boost it needs. Everyone's talking about this 22nd in the bubble, but I, if we even want to go pre-bubble, they're 29th since the All-Star game. So that's the last month of the season and then the bubble. That's about 20 games. That's not a small sample size. 20 games is usually what it takes to stabilize a number in the NBA they have done some things since the All-Star break that have not been good, and if they don't figure it out, they're not going to win this playoff series. The Jazz have some things they have to figure out if they're not going to win this playoff series, which we'll get to, but 
if the Nuggets are that bad defensively, the Jazz should be able to win this. Well, for as bad as the Nuggets have been defensively in the bubble, they've been just as good offensively. They're fourth in points per game, averaging 118. They're second in offensive rebounding, getting 11 offensive rebounds per game. That's an area where the Jazz have really struggled over the course of the season. Royce O'Neal has stepped up throughout the bubble to help with defensive rebounding. He and Rudy Gobert have been huge, but that's going to be an area of focus. If the Jazz can't keep the Nuggets off the offensive glass, especially in the second half of games, I don't know if they have a chance in this series. Yeah, and probably my number one key to this series that I'll get into right now, and I've talked a lot about before, and I will be tracking it very heavily on Twitter and hopefully on this podcast in the next couple of weeks, is quantity versus quality. Mm-hmm. The quality of your shooting represents about 75 to 80% of the game, and the quantity represents about 20 to 25% of the game. And the Jazz are the number two true shooting team in the league at 85, sorry, 58.5%, and the Nuggets are down at 15th. But in quantity, the Jazz are 28th in field goal attempts per 100 possessions, and the Nuggets are first in field goal attempts per 100 possessions. The Nuggets offensive rebound, and they don't turn it over, just like you just said. And when you do those two things really well, you just get up more shots than your opponent. And so, as I said, the advantage leans to the Jazz a little bit. You need your shots to go in, regardless if you're taking 80 or 90. But the Jazz have got to make sure they don't let the Nuggets shoot 10 shots more, 15 shots more, and it doesn't matter. Because that's going to be the difference in close games. Um, So that's my number one key, is the quantity versus quality controls. Can the Jazz keep up their quantity while still dominating in the quality sense? Yeah, it's going to be a big question for the Jazz. They are a far better three-point shooting team. In the bubble, they're tied with the Nuggets at 35.5% from the three-point line. But you just look at the overall season numbers, and the Jazz have a lot more offensive threats on the perimeter, and they're going to need to take advantage of that. They're going to have to get that quantity up. All right, McCade, so let's move on here, and let's talk X-Factors in this series. I think this morning we we got some news from the Jazz. It wasn't unexpected. But Mike Conley leaves for the birth of his his child. He's back in Columbus now. And Jazz aren't sure when he's going to be back. So an X factor in my mind is who's going to start in place of Mike Conley. I know you have your, your thoughts on that. <laughs> and we'll, we'll save that for a little bit later in the pod. But, I mean, how do the Jazz replace those minutes at point guard? Because Mike Conley has really shown an ability to lead this team. He's been shooting well in the bubble and it's been on the guard line where the Jazz have struggled against the Nuggets. So how do they replace that over the first few games in this series? I think our first two instincts are to say, okay, just bring Clarkson up on the bench. But I think that causes issues because Donovan and Clarkson both shooting 25 shots a game isn't going to help the Jazz. Kind of makes Joe Ingles a little worthless. If he's, you know, if he's playing next to these two high-usage players, he doesn't have the ball in his hands. I and mean, he's a great spot-up shooter, but he can do more than that. Um, or the other kind of instinct is have Moody jump into the starting lineup so Clarkson can still be the sixth man. And I think that's fine. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because Moody is just not a great off-ball player. Yeah, so that's, that makes me a little nervous. That would be my concern with Emmanuel Moody is when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he tends to struggle a whole lot more. But we've talked yeah. about it previously on the pod. He's probably the best in terms of controlling the pace that the Jazz have. So I kind of would like to see Moutier continue to come off of the bench, I, and I do see a guy like Jordan Clarkson getting some additional touches. But 
replacing those point guard minutes, it's really going to come down to Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles, I think. They're going to be the primary ball handlers, and they're going to have to facilitate this offense. And bingo, that's not necessarily the expect on who is going to start in place of Mike Conley, but who is going to start in, at point guard in place of Mike Conley. Is that Moody? Is that Donovan Mitchell? Is that Joe Ingles? Who's going to be the starting point guard? I would like to see it be Ingles, personally. Um, I think he's a great pick-and-roll player, obviously. Helps. You're still gonna, Donovan's still going to get his touches. Let me make that clear. But the Ingles Gobert pick and roll will be huge in this series against Jokic. Just not as bad defense as people think, but still, come on, pretty bad defense. Mm-hmm. And so I would like to see Ingles step into that more point guard role that we know he's capable of doing. And then Donovan as well. This is Donovan's time to shine. And one thing that I think gets missed a lot but could benefit the Jazz without Mike Conley is they're going to be a lot bigger team overall. Mike Conley, one of the smaller point guards in the league, up against a guy like Jamal Murray, he can get taken advantage of at times, especially down on the post. So Jazz get a little bit more size. It does impact their depth, obviously, and depth has been a question throughout the season and especially in the bubble now that they are without Bojan Bogdanovic. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Jazz combat this. On the other side, an X factor for the Nuggets, for me, is Michael Porter Jr. He's really played pretty good basketball overall in the bubble, averaging 22 points per game. He's also shooting 55% in the bubble. But bubble second team. Yeah, he, he was good. He was really good. He started to flash some of that talent. You know, coming out of high school, he was the number one player in the country. But where his, he falls short is defensively. And I think that's where, if the Jazz are are going to be successful in this series, they have to attack Michael Porter Jr. It's something that Quinn Snyder has shown an ability to do in the playoffs, identify the weakest defender and get switches so that they can attack him. But that's what they're going to need to do. This could have a very Thunder-like series in it where the Jazz can figure out how to target Cardinal Anthony. They'll have a lot of success. And Michael Porter Jr. can potentially be that guy. The Nuggets are battling some weird injuries that have been pretty quiet. I've tried to keep an eye out for them, but they've just been weird. Gary Harris and Will Barton haven't played in the restart. Yeah. But they seem like minor injuries, so who knows? Maybe they play tomorrow morning. Maybe they're out the whole series. It's been really weird. They've done a good job of keeping that quiet. But if they are out, Michael Porter Jr. is going to continue to be a huge part of the Nuggets rotation, and he is a defensive liability. I mean, we talked about it like 10 minutes ago. The Nuggets are a defensive liability as a whole, and the Jazz have to take advantage of that. Yeah, it's going to be on the offensive end where the Jazz are going to have to win this series. Uh, we take a look at the starting lineups, and you talked about some of those injuries. Torrey Craig has been starting for the Nuggets, and he's been terrific defensively against Donovan Mitchell. Honestly, if Gary Harris or Will Barton does end up playing, I don't know if they if they even are able to crack the starting lineup. One, because they've been out for so long, but two, Torrey Craig is just a great defensive player against a guy like Donovan Mitchell. His his size, length, strength really gives Donovan some fits. Donovan's really struggled against the Nuggets this year. He's only shot 30% and 23% from three. Um, Donovan just has to be better against the Nuggets. That's obvious. If he's not, we're going to get swept. That's just the reality. But that, I expect Donovan to be better than the three games we saw in the regular season. So we'll see how it goes. Torrey Craig is a really good defensive player, and I would expect him to stay in the starting lineup even if Gary Harris returns. And then another huge matchup here also with the starters. What's more important, McCade? I think this series may decide it. The best defensive player in basketball or the best offensive center in basketball? You, we're going to get a lot of time with Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert matching up with each other. 
And it's going to give us a pretty good idea of what is more important when it comes to winning basketball. Yeah, and, you know, I think personally the way these two players just go at it, and we've seen it this season, we saw it last weekend, that they're both really, really good at what they do, and their styles are so different that both of them can have a good game at the same time. Jokic can go off for 20, 10, and 10, while Gobert just shuts him down and makes him earn those 20 points. And Jokic can really give Gobert some problems when he's playing offense, and then Gobert will score 20 points on the end just dominating Jokic's bad defense. This isn't a tug-of-war battle between these two centers. This is a how much water can they get in their pool and whose team can float the highest. Because, as I said, they're both going to be really good, and I don't think it's a tug-of-war where one's better than the other. It's how high can they raise them. Thanks for tuning in today. Home Court Press can be found on kbear.com. Just go to kbear.com forward slash home court press. We can also be found on any of your major podcatchers. And remember to listen, share, rate, and review so more people have an opportunity to listen. Lastly, give McCade Pearson a follow on Twitter at McCadep8. That's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. And you can find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter at bpriest24. That's B-P-R-E-E-C-E-24. As always, thanks for listening to Home Court Press, and now back to the show. Let's start wrapping this up. Nuggets won all three games, all regular season matchups against the Jazz this year. What do the Jazz have to do to flip the script and have a chance to win this series? All right, I got three keys to the series that I'm going to be watching extremely closely. One, we talked about quantity versus quality. The second is the Jazz have to get off to a quick start. With Mike Conley out for, I would assume he's going to miss games one, two, and three, and we'll be back for game four. Frankly, I'd be pretty shocked if he was here for game three or if he missed game four. Like, you just look at the calendar and the four-day quarantine, all that fun stuff. I'm pretty sure he's going to be back next Sunday. If he decides to stay and not come back at all the bubble, I don't blame him either. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm not putting pressure on that. But from what I've heard and what we know, I'd expect him back for game four next Sunday. But the Jazz have to get off to a quick start and make sure they're down 2-1 or up 2-1. Make sure it's a 2-1 series heading into Game 4. Um, since uh, John Stockton and Carmelo left us, the Jazz are 3-11 and in Game 1s, including 2-11 and on the road, now that this is a real road game. But we've got to stop going down 1-0. You look at the couple times we did go up 1-0, uh, the Rockets in 08 after we dominated them in 07, no, sorry, after we edged them out and all of a sudden we dominated them in 08, uh, the Clippers game with Joe Johnson's game winner and how important that ended up being as we let some home games slip. The Jazz really need to get a win tomorrow morning. If they can do that, they're in a great position because if, if you go all out and you play your starters 40, 45 minutes tomorrow and still game one, there's not a lot of pressure until Mike Conley gets back. Even if you're down mm-hmm. too low and he comes back, you give yourself a fighting chance. What you can't do is lose game one and then there's a little pressure on game two and then you're down 2-0 and you go, crap we're going to be down 3-0 before Conley comes back. And then you're going all out in game three and fatigue starts to set in, all that fun stuff. So really get out, go for it tomorrow, and for sure pick up a win by Wednesday. And not just in the stereotypical don't go down 2-0 sense, but because of Mike Conley being gone, it's just going to be that much more difficult emotionally to come back from the deficit. Shocker, I know. Win tomorrow. Win, win a game. And then the third thing is the guards just have to be better than we've seen them. Mostly Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Jordan Clarkson. Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, the reason we lost to Denver three times this year. Uh, we can talk about that if you want, but there's just been some struggles there. We've already talked about that a little bit. Donovan Mitchell has a career playoff win share per 48 minutes of .004. To put that into perspective, if he plays as many minutes as LeBron James has in his career, as many playoff minutes, Donovan Mitchell would finally get to one win share. 
That's just, you're not winning games at 0.004. 0.100, that's the average, you know, one divided by 10 players on the court. He's just got to be better. And then on top of that, Jordan Clarkson's the same way. He has a career playoff win share per 48 of negative 0.116, which out of 1,264 players in NBA history to play as many playoff minutes as him, that ranks 1,263rd. He has one guy below him who played for the San Francisco Warriors late in the 60s. It just wasn't good. Jordan Clarkson was terrible in his one playoffs with the Cavaliers. Yes, they made the finals, but he ended up getting some DNP CDs at the end of that finals and was just terrible when he played. And so we just need our guards to show up. They're capable of it. I'm going to choose to believe the regular season sample size, the bubble sample size, the faith I have them in is just a fan of the team, but they do have to be better than what they have been in their past. And that's kind of my three keys to the series that I'll be closely watching. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying about Jordan Clarkson in terms of struggling in the playoffs, but I think it's kind of an unfair comparison because those playoff games with Cleveland was the first time he's been on a successful team in his career. Yeah, he got traded there midseason. LeBron's a different animal, obviously, a different. That's just a unique team to play on. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying. I'm going to believe to see what I've seen the last six months. But if he is Cleveland, Jordan Clarkson, it's over. He needs to not play at all. Yeah, that that is true, but I, I just watching Jordan Clarkson, I feel like he's grown a lot and he's learned a lot in the years since that Cleveland playoff run. Uh, so I I don't expect us to see that Jordan Clarkson. I think we'll see the Jordan Clarkson we've gotten over the last week or so in the bubble. Hopefully we don't get the Jordan Clarkson we saw in the first week in the bubble because that was rough. <laughs> yeah, and so that's kind of who starts in place of Conley. That's a good question, and we get to the conversation we can have in a few minutes. Do you have any keys to the series that you'll be watching out for? I, I'm really looking at the second half in these games. The Nuggets have been a team all season that in clutch moments – They've been one of the best in the NBA. They put the ball in the hands of Nikola Jokic and their point guard, Jamal Murray. They run that 1-5 pick and roll. Jokic sets up the entire team, and that's really where they pull away. And that's, I think, the key to the Nuggets' success over the last two seasons is that they can slow things down in the second half of games and late in the fourth quarter to a degree that most other teams aren't able to do. So... Rudy Gobert is going to have to cause problems, more issues for Nikola Jokic in the high post. And that's going to be one of the focuses here. They're also going to have to make sure they're crashing the glass late because that's really where the Nuggets make their hay is getting those offensive rebounds, second chance opportunities. And Donovan Mitchell needs to pick his spots. Yep, I think think it's spot on. Basically, the Jazz just need to play Jazz basketball. And that hasn't been as common as we would have liked this season, but we have seen the flashes there, seen the moments where things do click. And it sounds silly, it sounds stupid, it sounds simple. But if the Jazz play Jazz basketball four times the next couple of weeks, they're going to move on. If they don't, they're not. Yeah, it does sound overly simple, but that's what it comes down to. I think that on paper, the Jazz are just as talented as the Nuggets, and it's going to come down to who can best run their system and get the looks that they want that's going to be the team that comes out on top in this series. The, the Mike Conley missing is going to have a big, big impact on the Jazz. But I think it's, you know, you talked about the importance of Game 1 because going forward as the series progresses, depth is going to become an issue for the Jazz while they're missing Mike Conley. So they, they've really got to come out hard in this first game, and, and they've got to throw everything they've got at the Nuggets and try and win Game 1 so that they can... Not relax, but they're, they're not going to have that pressure going into games two and three that they would if they do lose game one. 
Yeah, and the thing that I love about Philly and Denver is they just fight you. They make you play for 48 minutes, especially Jokic and Millsap down low. Is they're just going to annoy you and annoy you and annoy you, and they do it throughout games, and they're for sure going to do it throughout a series to where this is going to be a long, emotional, exhausting series. Um, we saw Philly do this to Toronto last year when Kawhi had to go hit one of the craziest shots of all time at the buzzer in Game 7. But it's just really hard to beat these teams again and again and again. So the Jazz need to get out early so they're not forced to play a crazy Game 6 just to force a crazy Game 7. And those things do snowball. And it's hard to come back late in series, not only because it's just hard to win X amount of games in a row, but it's emotionally difficult as well. All right, McCade, I think it's time for that fire take that you are so famous for. What, you know it. What lights the fire for you in this first-round playoff matchup? I would start George Yang for Mike Conley. Interesting. Um, the beginning part of the series. I know a lot of people aren't Yang lovers. I have some questions myself. However, I'm not sure putting another ball handler on the court is going to do much. As we mentioned, putting Jordan Clarkson on the court takes away from Joe Ingles. Moutier can't play well off-ball. Let Joe Ingles start a point guard. Let Donovan be that secondary ball handler as well. Let Royce not have to play the four and guard Paul Millsap. Let Royce play on Michael Porter Jr. And just give George Nang a shot to go up against Paul Millsap. Um, you might have some troubles on the defensive side, obviously. But Millsap's not the player he once was on that side of the ball. And on the other side, Millsap is by far the number one most important player to the Nuggets defense. Um, they're actually decently defensively with him on the court, and they're just terrible with him out. And having Yang stand in the corner and saying, hey, Millsap, you got, you got to stand next to me, to not for the spacing purposes, but just for the now we know where and what Paul Millsap has to do, will be really beneficial to the Jazz. So I would stick Yang in the corner, and I'd let Ingles and Gobert run pick and roll, and Donovan do his thing. It saves Royce a little energy defensively. I would start Yang. I'm not asking for Yang to play 36 minutes. I'm asking for Yang to play 20 to 24 and just help those starters out. Okay. Um, that that was actually going to be my next question. Niang, you know, it's a, it's an outside the box thought, and I I kind of like it as you talk about starting George Niang and and keeping the the ball handlers Joe Ingles and and Donovan Mitchell, not overcomplicating things in that starting lineup, and it also leaves Clarkson off of the bench because you're gonna have to have some scoring off of the bench. But my question was, Niang's averaged 19 minutes so far in the bubble. And, and what does that end up doing to his, his playing time? You got 60 minutes you have to replace of Boyons and Conley's, right? Like, there's 60 minutes you have to go up. Some of that will be Rudy and Donovan and Joe and Royce playing playoff minutes instead of 30 minutes a game. But you are going to have to have some role players play an extra three or four minutes, specifically Niang and Clarkson and Moutier. My dream would probably just hope Niang's in shape enough to play the entire first quarter and the entire third quarter. If he can do that, that's 24 minutes. Just help the team get off to a good start and then still be that shooter for the bench in both halves. Um, we don't need him to play fourth quarter minutes. I would go Clarkson down the stretch. We don't need him to help finish halves or anything like that. But if he can just play the entire first quarter and the entire third quarter, specifically that's what the Jazz sometimes do with Rudy. We'll have to see how that goes. Because, you know, mm-hmm. you want to probably want to play Rudy 36 minutes. So you yeah. play Rudy the first and third quarter in the last six minutes of the half. That's probably where I would go. So that way Niang has 24 minutes. And all 24 minutes are covered by Gobert, just like Boyan was. Okay, and, and then so my, my last question. That's where I would go. My, go I, for it. I like that. My last question for you, McCade, 
is what about the rookies? They, we've had a lot of good playing time from some of the young guys on this roster. Rajon Tucker has looked good in a couple of games. Mia Oni is looking a lot more comfortable on the court. A guy like Jarrell Brantley has been a little bit up and down in the bubble, but getting a lot of valuable minutes. There's going to be 10 to 12 minutes a game that the Jazz are going to have to steal some time, and these rookies are going to have to step up. So give me two of the young players on this roster that you think could really benefit the Jazz in this playoff series. The the funny thing is everyone loves this guy, and I'm not sold on him like everybody else, but Gerald Brantley, we just don't have any power forwards. And if you bring Yang up into the starting lineup, then that even leaves a bigger hole at the back of four. So if mm-hmm. you could go Yang the first quarter, and then Brantley could just give you the six minutes between Gobert next to Bradley. So if Gobert sits from the beginning of the second quarter to six minutes in the second quarter, if Brantley can be next to Bradley for those six minutes, that goes a long way. You know, just 12 minutes a game, balls-to-the-wall energy, just go out and don't lose the game and give us something else. You know, and he can handle the ball a little bit and really help that offensive flow. That's the other thing I like about Yang. Sorry to go back a little bit. But Yang's actually a lot better passer than people realize. Yeah. Good eye. He has some amazing assists to Rudy Gobert this bubble. Like, I think that works. So, Brantley's the first one. And I just like Neone. He's got good size, has shown he has a decent jumper. Um, another guy where if you could just steal 8 to 10 minutes, 12 minutes, it goes a long way. Um. And that's where the Jazz are really lacking right now is 60 minutes is a lot to fill between Conley and Boyan. And we have the pieces. And the playoffs are just tighter rotations to fill about 40 to 50 of them. But that other 10 to 20, they have to figure something out. So I know we were frustrated watching the, the restart games and a lot of the starters sitting, just not running out the normal rotations that we saw for the first 60, 65 games in the season. Is that something that is going to benefit the, the Jazz now as we look at this playoff series, the fact that these guys have had important minutes against some, some starting units in the league, against Dallas, against the Spurs a couple of times? And is this what Quinn Snyder was hoping for as he played those guys in the bubble so that they could be more prepared against this Nuggets team? Um, I don't know. I guess we'll wait and see. I definitely do think that was part of the reason why they did this, and... As I said, I guess we'll just have to wait and see if it was worth it or not. All right, McCade. Well, I think that's all I've got. We've we've talked about it. Game one is going to be tomorrow morning. That'll be Monday at 11.30 a.m. ESPN, TNT, 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 I think. But ESPN, TNT, TNT for sure. Um, the Jazz are going in their white association jerseys when they're on the road, and they'll be going in their city jerseys when at home. Um, the Nuggets, I don't know. I think the Nuggets might just be going blue every game. We'll have to wait and see. Anyway, should be fun. I'm loving. I know the players might not love it. I am loving the every other day thing. Well, let's go. Let's get it done in 10, 12, 14 days. Yeah. That should be really fun. And we'll see where we're at in the end of the week. But I'm sure we'll have a few podcasts this week as the series moves along. Yeah. So be sure to tune in to Home Court Press. We will recap every game. I'm sure we'll, we'll sit down and either record talking about tomorrow's game one. Whatever the result is, we'll, we'll do that either tomorrow night or Tuesday morning. We'll get that podcast out. And then, like you said, games are going to be every other day, so it's coming fast and furious now. It's not going to slow down until the season is over. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to watch the Jazz. I'm excited to watch several other of these playoff series. But I think that'll wrap it up for us today. McCade, where can they find you on the social media? Uh, hit me up at McCade P8. That's M-C-C-A-D. P8. Well, trying to remember how to say my own name there. 
we'll see how that is. No, but um, as I said, there's a lot of fun stuff going on this week with NBA playoff basketball, and I'll be tracking a couple things and tweeting out graphs and this and that, and all the fun stuff that I like to do, and some of it's good and some of it's not, but come check it out. Always a good follow from McCade, and don't let sometimes he... He sounds pessimistic about the Jazz, but I got to tell you, it's it's much more realistic. And he's he really is a great follow. So be sure and check him out on Twitter, and then find me, Brian Priest, at b p r e e c e twenty four. And I'll be talking some Jazz basketball. Usually trying to follow the games and and live tweeting about those. And then, like I said, home court press. We will make sure and get a game recap and preview episodes out for every game this series. I'll say this before we go. If you follow me two months behind, like if you just get a time machine and go back two months and start reading my tweets, it all makes perfect sense. Like, I'm just ahead of the game. That's all. Exactly. All right, McKay, thanks for coming on, and let's go Jazz. We'll talk to you soon.